0: Welcome to Team Brief, the official podcast for ACES UK. We hope you enjoy listening.
1: Hi, Isma and Tiffany. Uh, It's great to uh, join up today for this uh, chat. Um, Shall we go through a brief series of introductions, starting with Isma?
0: Sure. Uh, So I'm Isma Iqbal. I'm a consultant ENT surgeon in Newcastle with a specialist interest in rhinology and anterior skull-based surgery. Tiffany. I'm Tiffany Munro-Gray. I'm an ENT registrar, ST6 in South Thames
2: in London.
1: I'm Jay Dupre. As you know, I'm a professor of uh, otology, neurotology at Sheffield University and a practising ENT consultant at uh, Hallamshire Hospital. I'm also, for my sins, I'm the TPD for Yorkshire and Humber. So we have about uh, 36 trainees on under our portfolio. And I was also uh, the deputy specialty lead for NIHR uh, National uh, Portfolio uh, Management. So there's a sp- fair bit of spread in what I do as a dog's body. So we, we were actually together to talk about the upcoming um, International Women's Day Maybe we could start talking about what it means to us by talking about embracing equity, which is the theme for this year.
0: I think for me, International Women's Day means recognition. So women have for a long time had similar skills to men, but sometimes not recognized. And I think it's a formal way of recognizing and celebrating women, but also recognizing that Perhaps in certain areas, women have to work a little bit harder to get the same recognition. In certain areas, we're still fighting for that recognition. So I think it sort of puts it at the forefront so that we can address how we can improve equity and recognise the barriers or anything that's preventing us from really celebrating women properly.
2: I would certainly echo that, if I may. I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword, even, even having an International Women's Day, the cause for recognition is fantastic and the the need for recognition remains disappointing so as long as it's a avenue for people to keep talking about it my hope would be that in 30 40 50 years time we no longer need an international women's day at all or to highlight the issues at all and i think that's hopefully will be its legacy that it's no longer needed at all and equity won't be so much of an issue
1: Tiffany, you've just stolen my thunder. That was, <laughs> that was exactly what I was The greatest of minds. I'm very honoured. <laughs> I know. And I, I was actually thinking about it with trepidation as well, because if you are dismissive of something, such a major event, you are not paying heed to the uh, issues that we are facing. And I must share a conflict of interest uh, with you. I've got two daughters and a wife. So I am live to the issues. As a TPD, I've got about 40% of our trainees are uh, female. And as an NHS employee, you're surrounded by more than 60% of the workforce being women. So you see a fairly positive side at times as well with rose-tinted views. But when you read uh, what's going on with gender equality it's quite a daunting task to, you know, deliver what is expected of society at large. Don't you think?
2: I think your viewpoint is a, is a really interesting one. Being a, a prominent figure involved in the nurturing, education and support of women, both, you know, in your home life and also in the workforce is a really key role. And that's why it's often a slightly naff phrase, but allies are so important. People who appreciate that they have a way to help uh, anyone of any kind of minority in their sphere up in any way is really important. And to support that and give people a voice is inc- incredibly important. I think the trainee point of view is selfishly a very interesting one. For example, I I know some fantastic female trainees that have taken some time out for uh, having children and have come back and found it just too challenging and I always just applaud my female seniors who manage to have children, have a work-life balance, have other tasks and being able to persist because it it is harder to have that balance and no matter what happens the need for International Women's Day is there because a woman will so often be the primary caregiver in the home scenario. I myself don't have children and that would be one of the reasons to be trepidatious is I'd, I've always thought I'd rather complete more of my training before that's something I undertook because I do see it as a hindrance, both professionally and also to committing oneself in the family life as well. It's a very difficult balance. So I think it's interesting to to remain being an advocate on the behalf of women through training um, and as they come through to make sure that there is that voice for those that don't feel they can necessarily do so, or that, you know, there's, there's shining a light on yourself as having difficulties can also, for whatever reason, be seen as a negative, especially in a scenario filled with so many type A personalities as surgery. We don't want to show the weakness that's actually just part of being a woman, part of being a human, part of being alive and having a life. Um, And so it's, yeah, it's fantastic that that
0: you recognize your own context within that. But from my perspective, even though we talk about 60% workforce being female, and ENT certainly has a lot of females, um, if you're going through surgical training, you often find yourself being the only female surrounded by a lot of men. And that was my experience with training. I didn't have an issue with it, uh, but certainly your experience is slightly different. Um, and um, as Tiffany's saying sometimes your home life pressures are are slightly different to uh, one of your male colleagues' home life pressures. And so I think we're finally getting to understanding that perspective and and, uh, certainly how women can be better supported in the workplace, especially say, if um, they do take some time out, but um, also recognizing that they have different home pressures or different personal pressures, um, you know, interestingly, now there's more recognition about um, uh, menopause and uh, time t- taken off for that. So it's something that I think we're getting to understanding that, you know, men and different h- women have different requirements. So um, their exposure is different and the experience is different. And certainly Absolutely. Um, in my training, I have to say, you know, some of my male colleagues, um, some of my male trainers have been my biggest allies uh, and really supportive. Uh, and as a woman, sometimes, you know, if you're the only woman sitting in that room, uh, you're a little bit uncomfortable to put your hand up and say, well, I'll do that project or I'll present that, uh, certainly as a junior trainee. And um, many of my um, sort of accomplishments have been because my male allies and, and trainers and mentors have actually said, well, I think you'd do that really well. So, you know, put yourself forward for that or have, put, have involuntarily put me forward for that. So from my perspective, you know, having that allyship, having somebody that, you know, really believes in you, that, you know, can see your potential, but also sort of nurtures that potential is really, really important.
1: I think most successful people would reflect on uh, and share what both of you have said, because alliance support uh, both come from unexpected quarters at times. and, And that, you know, is so fulfilling. If I may go on to a slightly glass half full version of it, uh, having seen it not work before, the, you know that if when we were training, paternity leave was five days. Five days was a big improvement on two days, and there was this bravado. Oh, my daughter was born when I was operating, and and it did happen to me. But now. There is no argument about this. So both male and female trainees uh, have an equal entitlement, and also uh, there is no sort of restriction from the deanery. Going back to Tiffany's comment on getting back onto track in training or at work, following whatever kind of leave that you may have taken, maternity, paternity, or even uh, less than full-time, There weren't any kid days or anything. You just got back in and you were meant to rough it out and and get on with it and take the consequences. But now there's all sorts of protection against that and arrangements. But obviously awareness is not wide and the access is not equitable. Uh, There are many deaneries I know where people quibble about allowing access to many of these facilities in, uh, in our deanery. LTFT or paternity leave or interdenary transfers are automatically supported. There's no questions asked or there's no rationing on that. And Isma, you were saying about the awareness of women's needs in a male majority environment. Breastfeeding is one classic example. There's no arrangements. There's no arrangements of fridges, etc., of for mum coming into work for expression and all that. And I'm aware of units where they have facilitated it. And having that conversation rather than some blokey, you know, chat around it is so crucial for people to feel comfortable and be happy at work. This is my, again, as I said, slightly rose-tinted view from where I am because I tend to get the feedback, but I'm not talking just on the negatives, but the positives. There are plenty of negatives that need to be addressed.
2: Even in my time as a doctor, I've certainly seen different um, progressions uh, between different interactions you'll have with, you know, legacy consultants who may have retired um, versus the kind of rapport or relationship one would have with my uh, senior professors at the moment, it's it's very different, and that level of rapport is not just associated with my increased seniority, but also with just a parity of of understanding and acceptance that being a female in the workplace, in the operating theatre, in the ward round, in the coffee room, in between cases, is a is more of a normality and not an exception. And, and you're absolutely right. There's even in in my time, been a significant improvement in that relationship and that rapport. Um, may I pose a question to you both? Yeah, sure. As as a junior still, um, despite being in my mid-30s, which is a bizarre term in and of itself, but that's a conversation for another day. Do you two as trainers reflect on the way that female trainees will approach their training in theatre as opposed to male trainees?
0: I can certainly see a difference. It's very interesting, uh, having had both female and male trainees. I would say... Uh, the term imposter syndrome, I gather, is not very fashionable now, but certainly, uh, my female trainees need a little bit more reassurance. I suspect I always also needed a little bit more insur- reassurance. Sometimes, really, really competent uh, and very highly skilled, but they not need that little bit of extra encouragement, and they actually need, need that um, verbal reinforcement to say you did that really well, or you know, just to put sort of solidify that idea in their in their mind. Um, they're quite self-critical in my experience, um, and but very organized, always very organized, whereas I'd say most of my male trainees are a little bit disorganized, but also but very self-assured. Uh, and sometimes to you kind of think, I think you can do better on that, but they, they might think they've, they've done a, a great job. Um, and certainly, I think sometimes they're a bit overconfident with their skill set, whereas um, I think that the female trainees tend to sort of underplay their skill set?
1: There is that as well. But I I tend not to see any difference between the gender. I never get in my head the gender bias or gender difference. But what I tend to make clear to both the theatre staff, we are talking of operating environment. Yeah. Uh, There's not that legacy of a female surgeon, I'll give them help and see if they survive. And that a lot of female trainees say from supporting staff, from, from other specialties to nursing staff, often don't treat them the same as male surgeons. And I I make sure that they're aware that they enjoy full confidence of the trainer so that they have the same presence in that theatre, same leadership, same, same teamwork available to them and they're leading you're the female uh, pilot as as against a male pilot flying the plane the passenger behind doesn't know what gender the pilot is or not do they need to know just because you're visible it doesn't mean that the staff don't support you as much as they do to a male and if, if i notice it i will call it out and there have been occasions and and I have had to have words with people. And I know many colleagues who would do that. And that wasn't the case when we were training.
2: You both triggered two really strong memories and thoughts for me, actually. Isma, you made me think of one of the first times I used the microdebrider and I couldn't get it to work. And my assumption was that I couldn't get it to work and it was something I was doing the reason was why it wasn't working then my male consultant from the corner looked over and said have you flushed it to the nurses and it was just a few little simple things that hadn't happened in the setup that I assumed they had done and that I was at fault and I think that was absolutely a really important lesson for me. And then similarly, Jadip, I also uh, instantly thought of a moment for my first tracheostomy where I was supervised by a consultant who said this is, he says to me before, this is your tracheostomy, you're going to do it and I'm going to be your assistant, you're you're in charge. And I was like, right, okay, I'm going to do it, it's going to be great. And then the nursing staff kept addressing him, which I understand because they have a rapport. Then he actually turned around to them and said, could you please pass the operating surgeon this instrument? And that that was such a powerful statement for me that I instantly felt empowered in that scenario and also could kind of see the nurses know that, they weren't being told off but it's just to shift their focus as to who is actually taking the lead in this scenario because I think it's as you say it's not always appreciated that subtle dynamic change that's so important and for us it's so crucial to have you know someone like yourselves in the room as our as our support structure and as our supervisor and our mentor but actually that that change needs to happen where we are empowered in those scenarios as well so yeah you both instantly made me think of Great scenarios for both of those, absolutely. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll share with you a very quick anecdote, actually. So, I'm in my civic role. I'm also High Sheriff designate for the South Yorkshire, and I'm also a Deputy Lieutenant for the Lieutenancy. So, I meet a lot of civic people and also uh, people in public service. So, I was talking to the fire chief, and I kept saying, "I'm full of admiration for firemen," and he said, "May I encourage you to use the current terminology, which is firefighters." And I was saying, "Ah, there you go! Look at us, medics and medical workforce we've been gender neutral forever. We've had doctors, nurses, and therapists. you guys had firemen, fire policemen, postmen, et cetera. So if you look back, we were as a as a profession, we were fine. It's dogmas and traditions and people's you know culture that came in the way and I think we are now headed to in the right direction. And I'm really hopeful we will definitely, uh, we've turned a corner, but it's, we are now starting to plateau and we shouldn't. We should still keep climbing.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Really great point.
1: Well, it's been great uh, exchanging only a small, you know, we are only scratching the surface, I'm sure. Yeah,
0: I'm sure there's lots of stories we could all share. We hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. Please contact us via our website www.aces.uk or via email admin at aceis.uk to share any comments, feedback or ideas.